You were raised to believe the world was black and white. But what if it isn't? What if the rigid belief system you have never questioned is wrong? What if the world is actually a lot more gray? This show is for the seekers, the explorers, those brave enough to step outside of certainty and question everything. Join your hosts as they sit across from the world's leading thought leaders, visionaries, religious gurus, entrepreneurs, philosophers, and more to tackle difficult topics. You don't need all the answers to find meaning in life, but you should be free to ask all the questions. This is Figuring It Out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Figuring It Out podcast. On today's episode, we're sitting down with our good friend, Sam Nolan. He actually is a good friend. Yeah. We've done a lot with Sam. Yeah. yeah. Costa Rica together. It's been a couple of years together. Yep. We've been to Utah Can together. Talk, that yeah. picture of I've Sam in Costa Rica together. sitting on the yes, I should on the put island. That in there. Yes. He's going to hate that. That would be uh, solid. But yeah, we you're spent, welcome, Sam. We spent a lot of time with Sam. And uh, today's episode, we talked about multifamily. We talked about religion. We talked about marriage, parenting. We talked about pretty much everything you could cover taboo. And we got a little extra taboo in one segment of the show, uh, talking about someone you may know called Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Uh, it was a little controversial. I was stressed and- about it. So I want to just <laughs> clarify some things really quick. Yeah. Just like every other guest we bring on the show, not every guest we bring on reflects our views completely. And, uh, Sam, he knew he was doing this when he did it too, because, uh, it turned out to bring in like a million views on TikTok, yeah. um, But there's a part of the show where he talks negatively about Dave Ramsey. And I have a lot of friends that talk neg- negatively about Dave Ramsey. And uh, uh, we just wanted to clear things up at the beginning and basically say like that the way that he talks about him is not exactly how we feel about him. I personally with Dave am, uh, I think that he does a lot of good because 80% of people are financially illiterate they do not know how to be oh not even good they don't know how to be decent with their finances like i think the stat is 77 78 of people live paycheck to paycheck um you know we'll have to verify that but um most people need some sort of baseline discipline so that they get to the end of their life and they actually have money left over uh and so i think dave is uh, really great for a lot of those people however there are some things that Dave teaches that if you want to build real wealth yeah. for you and for your family, it's just never going to work. Like the whole thing that he talks about, like never get into debt, never use credit, pay cash for everything. It's just a basic misunderstanding of investment vehicles. And I know Dave knows this because he's a very wealthy person himself. Yeah. His yeah. business he's, brings in like $300 yeah, million dollars a year. It's so, like any of these guys, though, and it's what Sam did. So Dave Ramsey and what Sam did, are the same things like in Grant Cardone does this. Yep. And I talked with a guy today who does luxury real estate and he, he, he this actually, is the best way. Yeah. Every, well, he it's funny. The guy in, in, interviewed that did a luxury real estate said like, I'll be the guy that says all real estate is good. Like they all just have different purposes. And I was like, I've never heard that. Cause I told them, <laughs> I said, when you listen to every real realtor or every real estate investor, every syndicator, they all do very similar things, but they all have one thing in common and that's that they all hate the other person's investment strategy. So, you know, uh, Dave Ramsey, I mean, I've seen him unload the way Sam did about you're a freaking moron. If you're going to go pull out a line of credit for your business and you've got a Sam Newell, who's going to go, you're a freaking idiot. If you're going to just save all your money. And, you know, I think that you have to pick something. The reason that Dave Ramsey works for so many people is that people stick with it. Yeah. It's like a diet. Like well, is keto better than something else? And it's un it's it's not complicated. 
Right. Like if you, if you just get like people, some people just want rules. Yeah. yeah. So it's That's like, put it the in rule this is never get in. Here. If I, and it makes sense to people. If I never get into debt, I'll never have to foreclose. I'll never have to file bankruptcy because I won't have any Which debt to file bankruptcy. Yeah. So it just is something that's simple that people, it's easy for people to follow. But again, to me, it's like, if you want to lock yourself into a scarcity mindset for the rest of your life, where you're living on $60,000 a year in your retirement, and you're not able to travel, you're not able to buy the things you want to buy and do the things you want to do. That's fine for some people. And it's a much better alternative than having to like physically be working a job when you're 68 years old yeah. because you can't live like that's yeah. a much yeah, that's better a alternative. Problem. And there's a, there's a place for that. Um, but yeah, the blanket statements about like all debt is bad. It's just, it's just absolutely unequivocally not true. Yeah. Anybody with any amount of wealth has like, I guess I can't say anybody. People are going to light me up for that. Almost everybody who has any significant amount of wealth has used debt to build their wealth. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I think it was Facebook uh, recently. Who, Facebook sits on just mounds of cash, piles of cash, like oh, Scrooge McDuck about, yeah. levels of I cash. Think it was Apple is what you're talking about. Was it Apple? Yeah. Um, they yeah they, they were developing a new product and they needed like. $2 billion or $3 billion or something like that for this initiative or campaign. They borrowed the money. They have so much money. Apple is, I believe the most, if not one, if it's not the most, it's one of the most capitalized companies in the world. They sit on piles and piles and piles of cash, but when they need to go spend a bunch of money, they don't spend their own money. Yeah. They borrow it from other people at low interest rates. Because if you understand money and you understand debt, if you can get a better return on your investment than the debt that you're borrowing against that investment and it's secured against that investment, it doesn't make any sense to use your own money and risk your own money. Yeah. Leverage other OPM, leverage other people's money at a, at a lower interest rate and earn a higher interest rate on an investment that helps you diminish your tax liability and, uh, and brings in cash flow and has an upside on appreciation, which is all the things that real estate has, which is Sam's point in the video, which are all the things that, that we agree with. Um, but yeah, to, uh, uh Dave Ramsey is clearly not a moron cause he's a really smart guy, but <laughs> the advice that he gives, um, sometimes I think can come across that way. Cause it's like, th this is, you're giving blanket advice a to a bunch of people viewpoint, yeah. and you're frankly screwing up a bunch of people. Yeah. Like, uh, a lot of people, like the, all they need is that baseline level of discipline. Because we've used credit cards, like my my first podcast was financed on zero percent credit cards. My software company was financed on zero percent credit cards. I never paid a dime in interest, and it still allowed me to borrow other people's money, leverage the debt, and start a business that cash flowed me money so that I could not have to work for somebody else, generate my own revenue, and live life on my own terms. Yeah. Credit cards allowed me to do that. If I were like so dead set on paying cash, I'd probably still be working a nine to five trying to save up enough money so that I could pay cash for the things that I wanted to do. Yeah. Like it's not good advice for all people all the time. And I think that that's like relevant context to listening to Dave Ram and, and, and not just Dave, like any guru, any financial guru, like it's always good to take a holistic perspective from everybody else's opinions and form your own. But again, this is why we do figuring it out because yeah. we want people to come on, share their opinions. And that was a controversial opinion. And, uh, and, 
it, but but Sam has the results to back it up. That's the yeah. thing. Is like you yeah. can't. On all the people on on TikTok or in the viral videos, you know, of course, are just assuming he's a trust fund baby, or who, assuming he's poor and just fronting that. Or right, like, like yeah, someone someone's like, oh, you probably make fifty grand a year. And I was yeah, like, oh, they're yeah. like everybody on this video makes fifty grand a year. It's like okay, well, you're just you're it's it's 55. Again, you want, <laughs> it's again, you want to tell yourself that yeah. so that you feel better about your lack of success. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the people in the video. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Sam, Sam has a track record to prove it. Yep. Um, and he has a reason for saying what he said and he's a good friend of ours and we were happy to have him on the show. Yeah, it's it was really a lot fun. of, a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 They covered a lot on that episode. I remember yeah. just being it like, all, but it all fit together. Like I was like listening did. back yeah. to the episode, like there's nothing that's out of place. Like I feel like it was yeah. a natural progression and, yeah. I I like we could have really kept talking it. for a lot longer. Yeah, yeah it was hard to like cut it off. Yeah, <laughs> felt like we needed more time. But yeah, I think the listeners will will really enjoy it. Yeah, let us know. T- uh, take a screenshot of this episode if you think we're a freaking moron or Sam's a freaking moron or, or Dave Ramsey's a, a freaking moron. Yeah. Tag us up in uh, in the stories and we'll uh, we'll repost it. Maybe not if you say we're morons, but yeah, uh, you know what? I will if, post yeah. whatever you want. We'll repost it. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome back to figuring it out. Today we're going to talk about two M's. That are very important: Mormonism and money. I Sam, going to say multifamily investing. Oh, oh, three M's Third. that are very important: multifamily, Mormonism, and money. And we brought in an expert on all three. Sam Newell, welcome to the show. <laughs> hey guys, thanks Love for having them. me. I'm excited. <laughs> thanks for coming on, man. Yeah. So, always like to start with some context, so listeners know who we're talking to. I just gave context. That's a very know. small amount of context. <laughs> okay, we want to fill He's in more expound. context. There we go. Yeah, it's the moat. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, bring us back to, let's say six, seven year old Sam Newell, and then bring us up to speed minute two minute kind of synopsis of how you grew up, where you are now, what you're doing now, stuff like that. Perfect. Yeah. I grew up in North Salt Lake, Utah and uh six, seven year old Sam. I think I was throwing a Nerf football with my best friend, <laughs> Michael daily playing Tecmo Super Bowl on a original NES Nintendo. Nice. And, um, you know, got baptized in the Mormon church when I was eight. My dad actually played football for Brigham Young University, and okay. um, that's where he and my mom met. He actually converted. Well, I, I know. He probably won't. They might not admit to this, but he converted to, to marry her. And, um, <laughs> and anyways, we lived in North Salt Lake. He was getting his Ph.D. at the University of Utah. And from there, they got divorced, and he left the church. And my mom and my sister and I stayed in the church, moved to Boise eventually. I, that's where I graduated from. And uh, so, yeah, I grew up in the Mormon church in Utah and Idaho, went on a Mormon mission to Peru. So in the Mormon church, they push missions really hard. And it is a really good thing in a lot of ways for a 19-year-old guy, instead of going and partying at college, thinking about himself— to go give of himself for two years and try and help others. And so from that standpoint, it was fantastic. Learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about um, not thinking about myself and, and about Spanish. Um, working hard. I learned Spanish, a little bit of Quechua, the, the Incan language as well. So I spent two years in Peru, got home, and I was supposed to go to the Air Force Academy. So my lifelong dream was to fly F-16s, drop bombs on, on bad guys. I know. And I just... I didn't want more structure when I got back. I said, I just did two years of preach Jesus six and a half days a week. And uh, I just don't know if I can do that much structure again. So my mom had actually applied me to BYU to bring a young university 
without me knowing, wrote the essays and everything. So, <laughs> That's and it was affordable. So I packed up my 1990 Pontiac Grand Prix. We called it the Black Dragon because it didn't have air conditioning. <laughs> and drove down to uh, Provo, Utah and um, spent the next six years there. Did not get a degree. And um, six years, yeah, no degree. degree. Six <laughs> years, no degree. So I went from time and money well spent. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, played intramural basketball, won an intramural championship, which was amazing with my with my buddies. But no, I went from mechanical engineering, decided I wasn't quite nerdy and antisocial enough to do that. And um, to pay for school, actually, just like you knocked doors. So I did summer sales, learned that I could actually sell pretty damn well. What were you selling? Uh, first I did alarm systems and then pest control. What would you like better? Pest control, because if you have a cancel, it's a lot, it hurts a lot less mm. and you can get multiple days. So if you think about the, the mental thing and, and the whole, the, your, your attitude towards your day, the, <clears throat> the momentum and, yeah. and the rejection, <clears throat> it's a lot easier to build momentum if you can get a few sales a day. Yeah. So made like 40,000 average per summer was in construction management program at BYU. And I just, I was just thinking, man, I, I don't know if I can work 12 months a year for $65,000. Yeah. That was the, that was a, a good salary kids were excited about upon graduation. Well, it's hard when you're doing summer sales, pulling 40 K in three and a half, four months. Yeah. And then realizing like, if I get out and get a real job, I'm going to make less money working more hours. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a bad deal. Not yeah. working more hours on a cold or hot, dusty, dirty construction site. Right. Yeah, I couldn't get excited about that. Yeah. I, I was like, no way. So I took a break and started my first flip. I bought a house to flip. And with money from summer sales. With money from summer sales. And I have to be honest, a small inheritance from my wife's grandma. Nice. So we got lucky. You know, we were very blessed and we had a her side of the family. It was very smart. They had been very successful multifamily investors. And she said, you know, here, take this as a loan. If I die before you pay it back, it's forgiven. And which that is what happened. We flipped it into more flips and then properties. So I got really lucky making great money in summer sales, never ended up graduating because I ended up making six figures my second year in real estate. And I couldn't justify. So you, so you ended up starting when you say you made six figures, your second real estate, is that flipping sales. or in sales sales made 70,000 okay. my first flip. But then just in sales, I was making six figures. Yeah. So you, after the first flip, you were like, I should just go get my license and represent myself on the sell side. And well, yeah, my, it was funny. My realtor for my first flip, she goes, you do what? You knock doors all summer, like all summer. I'm like, yeah, from noon to 9 PM. Yeah. She goes, you could probably make pretty good money in real estate if you work out hard. <laughs> right. She's like, I, I bet you you can make a hundred thousand. And so my goal when I got into real estate was like, make a hundred thousand dollars. It's a big I, time. I was already married at that time, got married at 23. Then, you know, the Mormon get home from a mission, get married as fast yeah. as possible. Um, and so I, I got my license and I, uh, grew my income about 50,000 per year for the next four or five years. Mm which was fun. It was really, really fun. But, um, now I have a hundred million dollar portfolio and multifamily and I still sell a little bit in Utah, but that's what I focus on. And, um, it's been an interesting time in Utah. Um, lots of changes and I'm really excited to talk to you guys about what's been going on. Yeah. Cool. I don't know if you guys had any particular direction you wanted to go in, I, but I just wanted to a, a little bit cause I know your story a bit, but like, 
you talk about like the smaller mindset of money, like what was possible. Like, yeah. I think you should share a little bit about like your, what you were taught about money growing up, what you thought about money. Cause like, I know you didn't grow up with a ton of it no. and for people that either becomes their excuse forever, or it's the thing where they get motivated and knock doors, you know, all year long. Well, I, I, I want to expound yeah. on that a little bit too, because I, I feel like there's at least a little bit of a difference. And this is kind of what I want you to speak into between the religion that we grew up in versus what you grew mm-hmm. up in. Cause like whenever we go to salt lake and i talk to a, I have a lot of mormon friends that are there in salt lake that do mm-hmm. big business and make a lot of money and uh, the mormon church itself is a big business that makes a lot of money yeah. um and so uh, there there seems to be almost like a little bit of a disconnect because there's a lot of people that make a lot of money and they encourage that but then there's also like the same idea of giving all that up for Jesus or for religion or your, your culture. I feel like for us, it was more, I I don't remember any exposure to a single millionaire while I grew up, even though we were in one of the more affluent churches in the religion. I find that to be just something unique and interesting about Mormonism in particular, in terms of religion, most religions operate from scarcity and being broke and Mormonism. Yeah. yeah, There's abundance, but then, then they also teach you that, you shouldn't and to be money. a crazy hard worker, which is why yeah. there's so many. So right. I'm, I'm curious, I'm curious myself on that. Yeah. The love of money is evil. Yeah. Right. Like, yep. um, the meek shall inherit the earth, you know, that type of attitude and, and Utah and specifically Utah County is well known for cheapskates and people pinching pennies. And it, it's very interesting. I grew up, you know, high school in, in Boise, middle school and high school in Boise. Um, very poor. Um, when my dad was going to school, I remember the Bishop bringing over food for Christmas and money, because we didn't have presents or food that mm. year for Christmas. And you probably won't like hearing that on this podcast, but it's true. <laughs> you know, he was struggling and, and that's one beautiful thing about the church and, and something that I think is the best principle that the church teach it, teaches is charity and giving of yourself to others and mm. being there for others when they're in need community, community oh. and, and charity. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, you know, the more money you make, the more charitable you can be. Mm-hmm. And there's so many with this mindset that you were just talking about that it's money's evil. Like I should just be at home with my family and not try and go have a side hustle or I don't need to make a lot of money. And it's, um, there, there's a big, a big disparity between different groups of Mormons in Utah. I mean, I'm trying to buy a house right now in Sandy, Utah to flip where the average price is 1.5 to 2 million. And a lot of the leaders of the church are actually from this area and they have money. And to be a leader in the church, you kind of have to be able to support yourself because you don't get paid. So you have to make good money. Yeah. And then you see people's attitude in the rest of the Utah area where they see those people as kind of snobs. Mm-hmm. And right. it, it, there's a huge disparity between those two groups of people. And I grew up with no money and a very negative view of people with money. Mm. And like I said, when I got into real estate, I just hoped someday I could make a hundred thousand a year. Cause I thought that'd be so much money. It's a big time. That was yeah. the rich that people was, I knew were, yeah. Like, yeah. they had a hundred grand, like you're in the two cars, you're in the middle yeah. class. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Whoa. Crazy, crazy money. Worry and in California, not even, comes from? That's not even, yeah, it's low, that's low, class. That's low yeah. class now. That's low class now. So no, it's, and, and what's really interesting is how judgmental people are to towards people with money. Even today, um, I try to be very, very careful about how I advertise. And I was criticized by a lot of friends when I started making, I was making a hundred thousand a month in 2018. 
and on just retail real estate sales, selling real Correct. estate, yeah. selling fourplexes is what I was doing. Duplexes, fourplexes, rental properties. And I bought a nice car and I was going on trips to Bora Bora and I had a couple of friends say, dude, you're such a douche now. Mm. Why do you, why do you got to put that stuff on Facebook? And I was yeah. like, it's fun. I'm just like, why can't you be happy for me? Right. Yeah. That's well, a great question. <laughs> why can't you just like, why am I a douche <clears throat> for driving a fast car and taking my wife on our 10 year anniversary to Bora Bora. Yeah. I worked my ass off to get here. By the way, I'm a stay at home dad doing like I'm, I, I'm kicking ass. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like I won this money. Right. Why can't exactly. you be happy for me? Yeah. Oh, it's too flashy and it's douchey. Right. Okay. Well, that's just well, your small minded, dumb opinion. <laughs> yeah. And it hurt. It hurt. Actually, yeah. I've lost friends over it that yeah. just kind of don't want to hang out with someone. And those are the wrong types of friends, but yeah. I feel like it, um, holds up a mirror to their own mm-hmm. insecurity that it's just, they, when, when, when people come from the same place that you come from and see you make something of yourself, it takes away their excuse that they didn't have everything handed to them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like people like they're, it's easy to look at other people that have money and they're flashy and they have all this stuff. It's like, well, well they, they had, they come from money. They, they had everything given to them. You know, yeah. I could never be that way because I have this and that they, they're telling themselves this story that's built in a bunch of excuses as to why they can't get to the thing that they actually, if they were honest with themselves actually really want. Right. And so when they see somebody that had the same upbringing, the same situation, yeah poor, didn't have any money, and they pull themselves out of that situation, it's just a blatant reminder that they decided to not do that. And a lot of people can't, it's painful they can't for them. deal with it. Well, it's yeah, easier right? to be it's mad painful. at your, at someone else than yourself. To, you know? to accept it's either, the responsibility. It's easier to criticize other people yeah. than be honest with yourself. What, so what was it in you that, that made you feel that way where it's like, okay, I want this situation, so I'm just going to go do it. Versus sitting there going like, look at the douchey guy down the street that yeah. is doing it. You know what's funny is I was raised with that attitude. My stepdad, my mom, my dad. With the attitude of judging Of people. judgmental. Those people are not good people because they, they, all they think about is money. And it's, it's kind of laughable now. Cause I remember our friends that had money weren't that well off, yeah. you know, like yeah. they had a little <laughs> yeah. bit more than us, <laughs> yeah. but they didn't have they that much money. money. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I don't know. I was doing, I was knocking doors as like a seven year old selling like treats to, cause I wanted toys. Like it's always been ingrained in me. And, and I feel like as human beings, we have a personality that we're born with. Mm-hmm. And then throughout, throughout your life, you're able to unlock that. And then you also get to choose, do I improve myself or do I not improve myself? Right. And, um, do I rest of my talent or do I put in the work as well? Exactly. Exactly. So I have always been born with a lot of drive and then I had to figure out what, which way I wanted to go. And do I want to be a good person? Do I not want to, do I want to allow myself to be improved and held accountable or not? And so I don't, I don't know to answer your question. I think I was born with a lot of drive. That's what my mom said. We actually, she actually drove down to Vegas with me today and we had a conversation on that conversation on Mormonism conversation on just loving people and, um, not being so damn judgmental. Mm. Um, but I think, you know, I think, um, a lot of these people that we're talking about that are unhappy for you, that don't want to cheer you on. It's not just Mormonism. There's a large part of Mormonism that makes them feel bad and it's organized religion in general, but also just 
beliefs that their parents taught them that hold them back from accepting that it's okay to like money. Mm. It's actually pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah. like money does so many good things for people. Yeah. Right. It's In- the obsession you. with it <laughs> and screwing people over to get it. That's right. not okay. Yeah. The, the, right. That's uh, that's why I was talking about money in that context is that cause I got a lot of shit from people when I decided to go into business instead of in ministry yeah. and a lot of people very close to me that I'm still actually pretty close to that have come around, you know, would say, Oh, like all you care about is money. Like, like that's all Travis cares about. All he cares about is making money, you know? And it's just like, well, you're, you're, you're making it sound like that's the only thing in life that I care about. Like I, like I care about making money, but I also care about a lot of other things. Bro, you're going to work your whole life, whether you like it or not, you might as well make a lot of money and not be poor. Right. Well, that's, that was my point is like, if you figure out that money is nothing but a tool, like if like if money, if money doesn't like everybody's like, well, money doesn't give you happiness. And it's like, I agree. I've I agree with you. I've never been unhappy on a jet ski. <laughs> 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 which is a great, which is a great point. Um, but my, my point in saying that like, yeah, like, I, yeah, I agree. Like happiness is an internal thing mm-hmm. based on who you are as an individual, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with others. There's a lot of things that contribute to that. Money is a very, very small contributor past poverty line, right? There's right. actually been mass studies done on this that like past sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year or something like that, money has no direct correlation to your overall happiness in life. Yep. And so I was like, well if money doesn't have anything to do with my happiness, I may as well have a lot of it. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's not gonna yeah. make me unhappy. It's not gonna make me happy. It seems like a better situation if I just have a lot of it. And you can help a can, lot more people exactly. the more money you have. You can create jobs and yep. Yeah, having a lot have of money your impact yeah. isn't going to change who you are. It's just going to magnify Amplifying. who you yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. And then you can help a bunch of people if you have more money. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I'm sure you guys want to talk a little bit more about the Mormonism stuff too, but uh, while we're on the money thing, um, I just want to get your uh, get your opinion, advice, whatever you want to call it, on on investing. Because like, people listen to the show because they want to figure it out. And what what is it? Sometimes we talk about religion. Sometimes we talk about philosophy. Sometimes we talk about money. Um, and money is one of those, like, we like to talk about topics that are culturally, uh, taboo. Like you're not Mm -hmm. allowed to talk about money. You're not allowed to talk about religion. You're not allowed to talk about sex. It's like, well, why not? All of those things are massive parts of all of our lives. Why are we allowed to talk about them? And so money is one of those things. And there's, there's just, it's incredible to me how illiterate people are when it comes to very basic financial principles. Um, and so I'd like to hear from you, uh, where you think you got that discipline from? Like when you're making money, you decided like you bought a car, but you didn't buy a $400,000 Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. You bought a Hellcat, which is an awesome car to drive, but yeah. it was still like a smart, nice purchase. It was 80,000. Right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Like it, like it's a nice car, but it's not like you're, bl- you're not blowing your money on dumb things. Right. You're investing and you're putting your money in stuff that makes you more money. Where did that, where did that discipline come from? And what's your philosophy on investing in general? Yeah, and here's a soundbite for you, Eric, when you're editing this later. Like, Dave Ramsey's a freaking moron. (laughs) But he's a genius for poor people who don't have discipline. So if you don't have discipline and you can't make a lot of money and you're never going to educate yourself and invest, follow Dave Ramsey. Yeah. I think he's a moron. If you don't don't want to become wealthy, follow Dave Ramsey. If you just want to save your money and die poor and you have no self-discipline. Right. It's definitely better than the alternative it's, it, of like yeah. pissing away your money on nothing yeah. your whole life. But, yeah. but be poor. Follow Dave Ramsey and be poor. Yeah. 
Um, and the reason I say that is he says, pay cash for everything. Don't have any debt. And that's what I grew up with. Like if you can pay off your house, can you, can you imagine paying off your house and having a mortgage payment? Um, that's the stupidest thing you could ever do. Can you imagine paying cash for a car? How cool would it be to pay? No, that's terrible. It's a terrible financial decision Yeah, because you can borrow the money at 3%, invest in a real estate deal. I've never made less than 20% on a real estate deal. I've yeah. never lost money either. Yeah, well, can, so, can you explain how that, how that's done? Like real quick, just yeah. baseline between preferred rate of return, internal rate of return, and how you're able to make 20% annually yeah. in real Let's estate. just talk about a basic rental property. And, and so I'll give you an example. I have a seminary teacher that's a client of mine. Fantastic guy. So disciplined. He and his wife are so disciplined with their money. And on a seminary teacher's salary, he had his house almost paid off in 2016, I think it was. And he was about to pay his house off. And his son came to work for me selling real estate. And I said, Blair, do not pay your house off. It's the dumbest thing you could do. He's like, well, my mortgage payment's 1200 That's 1200 more I can save away every month for my retirement. And I said, okay, you've got another 20 years. How much can you possibly save? That's not a whole lot of money. That's basically 14000 a year times 20 years. That's, that's not a whole lot. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not a whole lot, especially when you factor in inflation, inflation. what that's going to do in 20 years, Just sitting in the bank, social security going away. Like you're losing money if you have money in a bank account. Yeah. So we convinced him to actually do a home equity line of credit, pull money out. He had his house almost paid off and he just bought two rental properties, two condos. And he was losing his mind. So nervous, but the guy trusted me. I had a really good track record. You know, I'd been doing this for a while and his son and I found him two really good rentals. This was in 2016. In 2018, he sold both of those for it was like a 48% profit each. <laughs> wow. It's ridiculous. Plus, he'd been cash flowing the whole time. Yeah. Paying off his mortgage. Right. And having cash flow on top of that. So he took out a mortgage to buy two more properties. Those properties were paying for his mortgage that he took out on his house. He's now paying that mortgage down, plus cash flowing on top, plus they both came, both came up in value a ton. Yeah. He flipped those two properties into three more townhomes. He paid about 230000 per townhome. They cash flow about $500 a month. Those $230,000 townhomes are now worth $525,000. A seminary teacher has now become a millionaire on paper. That's awesome. Because he, instead of paying off his house, he borrowed money at three, I think it was like 3.25% and is able to flip that into rental properties. That's why you don't pay your house off. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you don't pay cash for a car because you can take that money, buy a good conservative investment. We didn't do anything high risk. Right. This isn't buying crypto or no. NFTs or whatever. Yeah. Or, or shitty properties in the Midwest that you've never seen that just, yeah, like, right. like yeah. we did our research. We bought in really good locations right. with really good tenant bases and he's crushed it. The guy's like, like sometimes, like I swear you could cry sometimes when he sees me. He's like, yeah, I'm cash flowing. He's cash flowing like crazy. Yeah, he's covering now. his whole mortgage way more than the 1200 he was going to save. Right. right. And he has good debt, responsible debt, smart debt. Yes. That's why I say Dave Ramsey is an idiot. Yeah, because there is such a thing as good debt. Dave Ramsey would have this guy dying poor. Yeah, right. Instead, Blair and his wife Katie are going to die millionaires. Right, Right. have something, have a legacy, have something to leave their family. Yeah. And enjoy, that's the thing, man. Like, you only get one shot at this thing. Do you want to just, do you want to die, like, barely scraping by? 
or yeah. live your glory years. Like I told Jackie the other day, I was like, oh, we're watching something about somebody who was in a retirement home. And I was just like, that is so the opposite of how I want to go out. Like, well, let's talk I, about the space between wanting to retire and dying. Yeah. How do you want those last 20 years to be That's able so to visit time. your grandkids? Yeah. Travel the world. Able to travel. Yeah. On a seminary salary and saving 1200 a month. He wasn't going to be able to do that. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, what was that? 14,000 a year, 20 years. That's yeah. $2,280,000 yeah. over that period of time. He's like, made that on one deflated, of the properties. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if you're just putting it in a 401k with losing yeah. your ass on fees and yeah, yeah man, I was, so it's, it's I'll never retire, but I want to have freedom to. Yeah. yeah. And I the want to make the right choices ability to. to choose. So here's the question, um, Eric, if you knew you could borrow money from the bank and you were going to make 15% on the bank's money. I'm so bad at math. Here we go. It was guaranteed. (laughs) guaranteed. How much would you borrow? Say it one more time. If the bank was going to give you a loan and you could take that money and invest it and you knew you were guaranteed to make 15 to 20% on that money, how much would you borrow? As as much as they like. Much as you possibly could, right? That's why you don't don't (laughs) pay your house off. That's why you buy smart real estate and then you get tax write-offs on top of that. Blair's gotten all these tax write-offs that he never had before. He's like the tax write-offs is such an underrated part of real estate investing. Yeah. Yeah, We just, we bought these deals this last year in in Cleveland and and El Paso. If you invested a hundred thousand in one of our deals, you got 70,000 back or you will be in the next week or two on the K ones. We're about to send you 70,000 out of a hundred thousand back to you year one. So I tell my investors, I ask them all that same question. If you're smart in real estate, the numbers show up. My podcast is called Recession Proof Real Estate Investing. We know that if you buy a good conservative real estate deal, you're not going to lose. Yeah. And in fact, it averages 15 to 20% returns plus tax write-offs. Yeah. So borrow as much as you possibly can responsibly. Responsibly. The right deal conservatively. Don't be stupid. Don't take risks. Don't go somewhere and buying stuff you have no business buying. Yeah. Buy local and buy a good deal. Be patient and invest well. Because you're never going to out-earn the, the market. Blair, my good friend Blair, seminary teacher, I don't know what he makes, but I, I don't make a ton. Yeah. The market has you get out- seminary teaching he, for the He's money. probably got about you 10 go years of- <laughs> Yeah, you go for the eternal he, bricks in your mansion. Exactly. <laughs> he's probably got 10 to 15 years of salary- just in his real estate investments in the last three years. Wow. Wow. So that's the comparison. You, the, the market will always out earn you. And if the market goes down and this is what I always look at with my investors, if the market goes down, they cash flow. He's bought in a good location and I always have my investors put aside six months of mortgage payments and expenses. He's going to be fine. Right. That's the whole purpose of my podcast, which you guys helped me launch, which has been awesome. And I don't think I've, aired an episode in a few weeks because I keep forgetting to interview people. I've been too busy, <laughs> too busy buying deals. Busy but, money, um, yeah. what we learned is that people protect themselves from the downside and they do just fine during, during the downturns. Yeah. We yeah. may have a, we may have one coming up and our deals will be just fine. Well, let me, we'll get another soundbite here. Um, but one thing, whenever you talk about this, you always get people on TikTok that are like the pissed off, like, the people that wait, complain. which ones? There's a lot of people that hate. There's me a lot. Oh, let me be more specific. <laughs> There's people you'll talk about. Go buy a, a fourplex. Go buy this. Go do this. Don't buy a house. Do this, and you'll always get the comments like, "Yeah, let me just pull two million dollars out of my ass to get started." Yeah. Okay. So someone's sitting here listening. 
they're, maybe they're like literally, maybe they're a single mom. They're sitting there. They're like, man, even the idea of being able to have 1200 bucks to decide what to do with sounds amazing. Yeah. How does someone transition from the option of like, let me stuff some money in an envelope and save it away for this, the Dave Ramsey method. How do they get started? You know, without the inherit, without an inheritance, without a burst of money from selling something you already have, how does someone get started changing their perspective on this? You know, I've got a really good story. My my partner Tien, she was a pharmacist, just for Rite Aid. Like, didn't like didn't make amazing money. She educated herself though, and she provided value to others. And she actually brought me a deal. She couldn't raise the money to buy the deal. She didn't have the money to buy the deal deal herself. She said, Sam, I don't know if you like this deal, but I think it's pretty good. Mm. And it's been our most profitable deal so far. Mm. Wow, Albuquerque awesome. won. Wow. So she brought so, Albuquerque to so us. So thanks, but also, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she brought out, and then she brought El, uh, the first El Paso deal wow. to us, and then the Dallas deal to us. <clears throat> wow. And so in anything in life, honestly, it's all about educating yourself yeah. Yeah. and becoming a better you. And it's really, really easy to educate yourself. And have you guys seen the the movie The Nightcrawler? Yeah. It's the most fascinating mm-hmm. movie. Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> is a freak. Well, let's pull that up. <laughs> just watch that real so, quick. This guy oh, just pounds, pounds away on his laptop every night just reading and learning, and he becomes this very good photographer for news stations. And Anybody can do that type of stuff. You can just sit there on the internet and you can learn this. Stuff. I love that the way you just pitch Nightcrawler is that it's like this uplifting, inspirational tale. But it's, it's a very entertaining, a, weird movie. But he, um, he ends up caught. So he goes and films like spoilers. This is a spoiler. You can go. It's been out for a few years. <laughs> he goes and films like things for the news, like horrible situations, accidents and crashes. Yeah, like the, his goal is to be the first one on the scene. First right. one there. So he can sell the, footage. Night, yeah. yeah. Oh, but then I feel like we might, but then yeah. he ends Buys up a red trying to create situations to get the footage. Gotcha. It's basically the, gotcha. but everything, he's an entrepreneur. but yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> this is like where people guy. are like the Wolf of Wall Street really motivates me. It's like, Oh, you don't think you watch the movie. Yeah. So. But no, that's what I did. That's yeah. how I got in syndication. I was just selling fourplexes and I, Actually, I was selling houses and I said, I, I kind of like this flipping thing, yeah. but I would like something that cash flows. Yeah. And I asked I my broker about it. it. Yeah. My broker was worth 60 something million dollars at the time. He's like, well, let me show you how to do a cap rate. So step A, learn what the freak a cap rate is yeah. and learn how to calculate it. And then what I'm teaching my my investors and my <clears throat> my realtors right now that just started working for me is, is that really a cap rate? What's accurate? Mm-hmm. And you can read all this shit. Just go online. Yeah. yeah, like the best ever podcast. There's, I mean, there's a million. Yeah. Grant Cardone. There's a million ways to learn and educate yourself. Very, very few people will. I think the For statistic free. is after college, the average person reads one book per year. Wow. And that's probably only the average because the top. There's a few people reading, reading like eighty books a year, a year. Yeah. 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 and they're reading true. the Bible in church. Basically. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, I wrote well, a book this year. Totally, yeah. well, the book of Isaiah. I, I'm curious on this. Unless you have a specific money thing you want to bring up, I am curious. Like, like you only looked at him. I have a question. Do you have a money? Do you have a money question? <laughs> no, I well, wanted to talk about more about the parenting side of money because I feel like something yeah, that we're going through a lot smart. right now, and your kids are oh, older, yeah. and so I would really like to see, like, understand. Because I know I love how you posted the other day that you like do affirmations with your kids in the mornings and stuff like that. Yeah. And I know coming from religion, just like how do you navigate with your kids and being in a divorced home? Like you know that they're getting also half of their time is being spent on something that you're not giving them that information. So I'd love to hear yeah. like how you're navigating that 
And, and one thing we talk about too, on a side note too, is also how you navigate. Cause you said you didn't grow up in a wealthy home, something that we've talked about too. We want our kids to earn everything, but yeah. also it's always such a struggle because you want to give your kids the best life and you, you don't do. want. Yeah. So like just how you navigate that and just kind of talking about that parenting side of it. No, it's a really good question, Jackie. Um, my ex grew up with a ton of money. Interestingly enough, from multifamily investing, yeah. her grandpa killed it in California and left the grandma millions upon millions. Okay. And it's trickled down and it's going to keep trickling down that she has a huge inheritance coming. And um, she was raised a very certain way with a mother's helper, nannies, uh, $60,000 per person, cruises to the Mediterranean, um, right. $10,000 checks for her birthday. Some middle class. <laughs> I was happy to get those hundred dollar checks. I, I would get like a five dollar Nerf football, yeah, and, and I was happy. Yeah, yeah, you know, go back to our conversation about being happy. Um, that family gets a lot of stuff, and it does make them happy. Yeah, yeah. And so it's very interesting. I've been very concerned about my kids being spoiled because I do make pretty darn good money. Yeah. But also, they get spoiled like crazy from their grandma. Yeah. And and grandpa on that side and. My broker, I, and I'll, I'll never forget these lessons from my broker. He was the one where 60 million that taught me about investing. And he also taught me a lot about parenting and life and loving others and also loving your kids and teaching them. Um, he never bought them nice cars. He took them on really nice vacations. He didn't even really buy them clothes. They had to work to buy themselves school clothes starting mm-hmm. in middle school. Wow. He was worth a lot of freaking money. That's yeah. not the norm. Yeah. That's not what people typically do. He would buy his girls prom dresses and, and for dances. He wanted them okay. to look pretty and feel loved, but everything else they had to work for. He was worth millions already, and it yeah. would make his wife and and his whole family very angry a lot of the times. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that it, you get demonized. It's so easy to demonize somebody with a yeah. lot of money because well, you, you, you look at all of their problems as like, oh, yeah, rich guy talking about problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like... Well, that's still well, something that he was coming up against. Oh, he's you, a, he's a like, cheap. Would you rather have spoiled kids? But if you spoil him, then you're yeah. the dad that has the spoiled kids. Would you rather have spoiled, entitled, rich kids, yeah, or right. would you, you know, rather be looked at as the stingy, frugal guy whose kids yeah. are actually productive members of society? I think he did the best of both. He took his vacation budget was a hundred thousand a year. Nice. He took them on kick-ass vacations, so they yeah. knew their dad was spending money on them on vacations, yeah. experiences, time together. Experiences is better than things, though. Like, yeah, yeah. Those, those are different. They drove Volkswagen bugs to school, like, yeah. like unless they wanted to work and buy their own. Like they drove shitty cars to school, right? Yeah. And this episode's brought to you by Volkswagen. They <laughs> <laughs> they all make great money. They, yeah. They're all doctors and very successful real estate agents or whatever they're doing in their fields because they learned how to work. Yeah. So they grew up with money. They never wanted for money. They never really struggled, but they were taught to work. And so that's the type of dad I want to be is I want to teach my kids. I love you, but I'm never going to buy you a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil you. You're going to w- learn to work. I started working in a warehouse at age 13. My stepdad did a great job of teaching me. He had plenty of money, yeah. but wouldn't buy me a bunch of shit. Well, it's not a, I love you, but I'm going to withhold this from you. It's a because I love you, I'm not going to prevent you yeah. from learning these lessons yep. that life is going to teach you at some point. I'd rather you learn when you're 13 and with me than when you're 36 and you're bitter and yeah. broke and entitled. upset and entitled and not willing to work and you just want people to give you stuff all the time. Like That's yeah. not how life works. Oh. My, my friend, um, she just divorced, divorced her husband. 
guy never learned to work. Mm. Just never learned to work. And he could never provide for his family. He was depressed and wanted free shit and just it, it never worked out. So it's sad. Um, the best parenting advice I think I've heard is making your kid happy now is not what you should be doing as a parent. Mm. Teaching your kid and loving your kid that doesn't mean you're just making them happy all the time. Like, here's the treats you want. Here's the toy you want. That's making, they're happy when you give them those things. Yeah. That's not good parenting. Mm. Good parenting is teaching and loving and being able to not make them happy all the time and, and have them appreciate that and have them learn through tough love or whatever that is. But yeah. good parenting is not just making them happy all the time. And I, I really started to figure that out with in my marriage because I thought if I could just give her the next thing, she'd be happy. Mm. Take her on the next vacation, make her happy. Hey, I'm making crazy money. Let's go to Bora Bora. Will that yeah. make you happy? Yeah. No. No. Okay. House. Let me, yeah. let me build you a new million dollar house. Is, is that going to make you please like, please yeah. be happy. Right. And, and it was weird when I got divorced, all of a sudden I was like, Holy shit. Like I don't do that with my kids, but I was doing that with my ex-wife. Mm. Yeah. And, um, so anyways, parenting or even in your marriage, the things you do for people aren't going to make them happy. And I was just actually in a relationship, uh, counseling session, talked about the same thing. She's like, why don't you just love her for who she is? And are you allowing yourself to be loved despite the things you do for people? Mm. And as a parent, you got to teach your kids to do that as well. You know, you, you little fucker, you're going to love me yeah. because I'm your dad and yeah. I love you. Not because I just bought you some Legos. Yeah. yeah. Or girlfriend, I'm going to love you. You're going to love me. Not because I took you to Cabo or because I cleaned your garage for you or whatever it is. We got to love each other for who we are. Yeah. I'm curious on that because that's something that gets weaponized a lot by people that aren't putting in the work where it's like, like parents do this. My ex make sure the kids know they get a toy every time they're with her. They come over to my house. Look, the new toy I got. Yeah. Well, and, it, it it is a weapon against me and she uses it weekly. And, yeah. and and the other side of that too, like there's deadbeat parents that mm-hmm. will go love me because I'm your parent or there's, there's girlfriends or spouses that'll be like, I'm your wife or I'm your girlfriend. And then they won't do anything in themselves or they won't invest in themselves. Yeah. So like what use it as an excuse. To right. Be a piece of like, shit. No, like, well, like, like, no, the blood I do love you, but I'm not going to accept that. So like, so that's the question that was like, what level of a relationship is their merit? Where like, I love you because you're a hard worker. I love you because you are affectionate, like versus I love you because you exist in this role. And so I guess, you it's, know, it's back to the same thing. I love my kids. I'm not going to accept their behavior. Mm. You got it. You got to, I can't accept that behavior. That's not okay. Yeah. Or go put your nose on the wall. They hate that shit. That's, Especially in public. It's <clears> hilarious. <throat> put your nose on the wall. You can't do that. I yeah. love you. You're a good boy. You're a really good little girl, Heidi. I love you. You're amazing. You're but smart. Action, You're beautiful. Yeah. But you can't freaking do this that. You can't punch this, your yeah. fa- your brother in the face. Yeah. The yeah. consequence thing is something that I think is. He's working with Cam a lot on that. Hearing yeah. him say consequences is adorable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to get him to say, it. I'd be like, Cam, can you say consequences? And yeah. he's just like, he's just like fighting tears. You know, he's just like, kind of came It's just like, yep. you, you got to understand that like, just like just because you're sorry, being sorry does yeah. not erase consequences well, of actions. Yeah, well, your action has a consequence always, mm-hmm. positive or negative. 
every action has an equal opposite reaction. It's something that happens. Like, and you have to understand that if you go into life thinking that it's this way and that you can just do things without consequences, like you're in for a really rough first 10 to 20 years of adulthood. Still love you. you. Correct. Still love you. Yeah. Always, man. You got to, it's always, it always comes back. Like it's because I love you that I have to do this. It sucks because you're just like, you want to be your kid's friend so bad. You know, I didn't understand that. And I want him to like me so much. And I know, I know that, I know that this is like in his mind, he's like, man, I don't like my dad now, you know? But it's just like, my job is not to be his best friend right now. now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when he's 30, maybe, (laughs) you know, but like. When he's two, it's even when he's harder three. when when you're married to that person. Mm-hmm. I mean, for twelve years, I I couldn't I couldn't just punish my wife. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> not, you can't just. Not in the but my of next question you was, how do you, you can't do that anymore. Only in I mean, Calvin's Mormonism. Yeah, no, <laughs> okay. it's no, but like you can't punish each other. Like right. you can get in right. fights, you can argue, but if the other person isn't willing to step to the table, so. Eric, that goes back to answer your question. Um, I'll never be in a relationship ever again where the behavior doesn't match my effort and, and my behavior. Yeah. So I still love you. Yeah. And I've had this conversation with someone recently. I love you so much, Thank you. but this behavior is unacceptable. I'm going to pull that clip and just keep that. There you go. I love you so much. Every night Eric's going to be like, you're staring me in the eye. Goes to bed every night watching that clip. No, I love you, but I don't accept that behavior. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, like I'm a really good person. I love myself enough yeah. not to accept that behavior as well. Can, yeah. can you talk about? Sorry, uh, sorry. I, I, I want to throw this in really quick because I I remembered there was a piece of uh, it was a guy he was doing a talk on like it was like childhood trauma, but he was talking about it. And one thing he said that I took into parenting, I don't have parenting figured out at all, so I don't I don't want to sound like the douchey guy that's like <laughs> you know has a four year old. I'm like, yeah, here's parenting wisdom, but he said something that meant a lot to me. It's helped me with like Piper is like, he said a lot of parents train their kids to be a certain way by, by basically labeling them with the problem that they're causing. So like he said, we tell our kids you're naughty or we tell your kids, you're you're a whiner. You're you're such a whiner. You're a liar. You're this. And kids do put that on themselves. And so adopt that identity. Instead you're acting like this. You're not this way. Why are you acting? And you so, are not your behavior. I had a right. conversation with someone recently and she goes, well, you just think I'm this, 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 and this. And I'm like, and, and you don't like me because I said, no, I freaking love you, but that behavior sucks and you actually can change it. It's not who you are. Yeah. Cause yeah. you're a better person yeah. than that. Zig Ziglar talks about that. So many psychology, psychology books talk about labeling people with their behavior. Mm-hmm. And if you want that to change, you actually change their label. Yeah. And I tried this with my wife. I've tried it with my kids and sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. But the best example of that is, um, Heidi was struggling up until the time my wife and I separated struggling. We're trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was, it was rough. She was struggling in school. Didn't feel like she was smart. She has ADHD. She She was six at the time. Had just, no, it had just turned seven and has this wonderful teacher. And I said, I'm going to start telling Heidi she's the smartest kid in her class. And I'm make her do affirmations with me. We separated. She was struggling. And I expected Heidi to go downhill. She ended up doing better for a few reasons. One reason, she wasn't with a depressed parent every day anymore. So only 50% of the time. But the other reason is every day on the way to school, I made her say I'm one of the smartest kids in my class. I love school. 
I'm one of the smartest kids in my class. I love school. I have lots of friends. I'm so good at school. And she's the most malleable little girl ever. Like there's kids that are stubborn and, and maybe it wouldn't work as well, but little Heidi, I just watched her brain start thinking that over the next month, two months, we went to Christmas break, came back. Her teacher called me. She goes, Sam, I don't know what you're doing with Heidi, but she's got one of the best grades and she's doing one of the best in my class now. Mm. It was like two to three months of changing the way she thought about herself to from I'm kind of dumb and I don't do very good at school. That's what she thought. That's what, because she couldn't focus. She struggles so hard to focus and pay attention. She tries and it breaks her little heart when she can't because she gets in trouble. And then every, and I still do it every day. Heidi, you're one of the smartest kids in your class because what we know from psychology is the most powerful, convincing thing in your life is your own voice. Yeah. Anything that can convince you, your own voice is the best thing. And so I have her say it out loud. I'm one of the smartest kids in my class still every day. She's got her teacher. She has the same teacher this year. She's like, she's amazing. We don't have any of those issues anymore. She never says I'm not smart anymore. She excels. She does very well. And I do the same affirmation for myself. And I'm constantly changing them. How do I want to improve? Well, my poor belief used to be that I'm not very likable. I don't have a lot of friends and you know, lots of other shitty beliefs about myself. And Mm -hmm. so I recorded myself saying I have lots of friends. I'm very likable. I'm a good person. And, and so, yeah, you, you absolutely can screw up somebody's self image by labeling them with something, or you can help be amazing. I have a friend that I, I text her all the time. She's struggling right now. You're smart. You're beautiful. You're amazing. You're really good at what you do. And I text her that once in a while because people just need a reminder. They need someone to tell them that they're awesome. And I'm hoping that she's reading it out loud and and repeating it to herself. Like we've talked about. Yeah. So that's one part of parenting too. That I was actually talking to my sister about on the call today too. I feel like even like therapy or like affirmation, like the older I get, at least as an adult, I've like the self-development is a huge thing, personal development, all those things. But I feel like a lot of times we don't give that to our children. Like a lot of times we think that like, which that's when they're most like, moldable like yeah. why are we not like that's yeah. why i thought it was so cool when you posted that because i just feel like it's so easy to be like oh well we're just like parenting them and that's good enough and like they're good you know they get it from school and whatever but like self-development i which i know religion was a big part of that but i never heard like i never read self-development books or like okay. affirmations or any of those you're things. born evil yeah exactly yeah that's <laughs> what i was wicked. taught you're so like yeah. thinking right. back to like I, and i told my sister i'm like if my kids need therapy i'm 1000 percent sending them to a therapist like why yeah. and thousand percent teaching them self-development and we've talked about like having them at two listen to like self-development books and all those things now because like why do we think that that as a kid is not but when you're an adult absolutely like, oh. go to therapy and go to relationship you, coaching you're already fucked up by the time you're an adult yeah like why would we not prevent like why would we not as parents give that to them at age six and seven and start teaching them that at that age it's just mind-blowing kids are not yeah don't teach them that when i got into real estate luckily i got in with a broker who was all about self-development that's awesome and i had a really shitty self-image i did not happen to also be worth 60 million dollars happened to be worth a lot of money of a correlation there yeah could be right yeah yeah that's yeah. oh, it's interesting about Read that. Fifty books a year. Yeah, right. and he had a coach. He was one of the people bringing up the average, not bringing yeah. down the average. Exactly, yeah. and and I learned from him self development at an early time in my career. I attribute almost all my success to improving myself as a person. That's where it starts. Yeah, I could sell. I could sell. I could sell, and I could work my ass off, but I capped out pretty quick. Yep, yeah. because I wasn't that easygoing. I had some pretty negative qualities, and I didn't love myself. 
And I changed that image of myself and, and improved myself. And he, as a dad, the same guy, I owe a lot to this guy. His name's John Har, and um, forever be indebted to this guy. Cause as a dad, he did the same thing. He taught his kids how to do affirmations, how to improve themselves, how to think about themselves in a better way. I was actually talking to my mom on the drive down here. She said, well, what, a, what religion do I believe? Do I believe the Book of Mormon? Do I believe the Bible? How should I live my life? By which, which one's right? I'm like, Mom, it's about the principles. Yeah. It's not about, like, go read the Quran and pull out the goodness and pull out the goodness from the Bible and, and the Book of Mormon and be a good person. There's principles in life that cause us to be happy. Yeah. And what I found is some of the biggest principles in religion, in your guys' religion, my religion, is guilt. Yeah. And, and being fear. judgmental. Yeah. yeah. Travis, you're drinking or you're doing this or whatever you're doing that I don't agree with means you're a bad person and I can't love you. So if you're judging someone, you can't love them. Yeah. If you're judging yourself, you can't love mm. yourself. And those are the two biggest issues I find in organized the religion. Core tenets of <laughs> that have yeah. act, they are the core of those religion. You gotta have sorrow and guilt and you have to live by X set of rules. Yeah. And Jesus used to make fun of those people. If you guys yeah. read the New Testament, Pharisees and Sadducees, he'd make fun of them. That's he'd like, why, he'd that's be like, you why guys, Jesus is such a compelling character to yeah. everybody. He's like, yeah. you, you guys are morons. You're still leaving the, living the law of Moses? You guys are idiots. That's, that's what You're that's counting what your steps like, every yeah. Sunday? Yeah. You guys are morons. Right. I mean, yeah. that's exactly. why they hated him. Yep. That is why they out. hated him. Yeah. There's like a whole chapter. Like, what went to you? Scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. Yeah. And like... Hypocrites. Like, yeah. Those so, are some so that's really what I, want. I talked about with my mom. Yeah. He, he made fun of those people. And, you know, it's interesting. I had the, these friends that are super Mormon and they've been calling on me to check up on me. They heard I was getting divorced. They heard I might not be as Mormon as I used to be. And then I kind of told them what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not really going to church. I drink a little now. I have a girlfriend. I'm probably not ever going to get married again. Definitely not in the temple. Yeah. And they were really concerned for my spiritual well-being. Being. And one of them started <laughs> calling me weekly. And giving me little talks and saying, hey, you know, you're kind of falling further and further away from the fold. Like, come back to us. Come back yeah. to us. And then he started talking to me about one topic in particular. And I was like, dude, like, okay, this guy loves me. We are actually really good friends. He does. He is meaning well. I said, can I ask you a question, buddy? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, so you're saying that I'm committing some pretty grievous, grievous sins and you're really concerned for me. I said, so in the Mormon religion, looking at pornography is pretty bad, right? And I happen to know this guy's marriage sucks. And his wife, I mean, they, they have a terrible marriage. And so I kind of pulled him into this conversation. I said, pornography is like almost next to murder. Like premarital sex is like next to murder in the Mormon religion, right? He's like, yeah. And I go, so would you say that you're looking at porn once a week, three times a week, or five times a week? And he's like, oh, oh whatever, dude. I'm like... Hey, we're, we're friends. Just, I'm asking you a question. Just be honest with me, get it off your chest. Cause I know, I know you're doing it. Yeah. You probably have a premium subscription to Pornhub. Like <laughs> yeah. you What's can borrow that? mine if you What's need Pornhub? it. This episode is also brought to you by <laughs> so, Volkswagen and Pornhub so are the title sponsors I, of the show. But I wanted, I wanted to prove a point to this guy cause he was yeah. judging me hard right. and yeah. he was telling me you're throwing stones in a glass be careful. house right now. Be man. careful. Yeah. You know, he, He's uh, looking at the moat in my eye. He's got a beam. So um, he's like, "Uh, three to five. And he got very vulnerable with me for a second. And I'm like, okay, so you're committing like 
a terrible, terrible sin in the eyes of the Mormon church and a lot of Christian churches. And probably your wife. And you're calling me. And by the way, his wife does not know. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And we even talked about that. And he has a terrible marriage looking at porn five times a week. And I'm like, that feels shitty, dude. I said, I'm actually really happy where I'm yeah, at. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the, that's the exact problem. I, is like, I, I look have at a people. beautiful relationship with my girlfriend right now. Yeah. In the fact that we accept each other for who we are. And yeah, maybe I drink a little, but I'm not hiding a terrible, terrible sin from my wife. And I'm not judging other people's. And I said, just so you know, my friend, I love you no matter what. Yeah. And I just wish you would be my friend and love that's, me no matter what. That's yeah. so hard though, because like it, it's, I told you like one of my best friends, like when I posted that, like it instantly changed our relationship to where it was like, it was giving talks. Mm-hmm. Here's a Bible verse. Here's right. a, and it's <clears throat> like, this isn't you. Like, this is not us. And like that, the thing that's so different now is like, I feel like when I sit down with you or with you or with you, like there's this, we all disagree on so many different things, but I just like the person. Like I don't just, I don't go like, is Jackie doing this, this and this is Travis doing like, it's just cool to be able to sit in a room with somebody and be like, I don't care if you're a Mormon. Like, are you an asshole? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. that's what I want to know. Person. Like, yeah. like I, well, I probably would, if we got into it, I'd be like, why, why are you this? But, <laughs> but like at the end of the day, like I'm not going like, do you meet my criteria in every category before we yeah. can be friends and right. true friends? Yeah. And it's, you know, my mom's generation is extremely racist. Yeah. And my mom says stuff. Now I'm just like, what the fuck did you just say? Like, you can't say that. Hey, you're you're going to get canceled. You're not going to be like, able to host the Oscars. That's so racist. <laughs> or, or there's liberals and conservatives. They right. freaking hate each other. And yeah. one of my business partners voted for Biden. And I was, I voted for Trump. And we are like best buddies because we're both really good people. Yeah. And I have actually, it's funny. My best friend's little brother will not talk to me to this day because during the Obama first election between Obama, I didn't want Obama and we exchanged some words on Facebook. How many years has it been? 12? Mm. Yeah. So two, 2008. <laughs> it's been, it's been 14 years. The guy hasn't talked to me in 14 years so because sad. of politics. Right. But that all goes back to being judgmental and hypocritical yeah. Yeah. and not being able to love other people. And so that's one thing I want to instill in my kids. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter what they do with their life. It doesn't matter what political party they follow. It doesn't matter what country they're from, color of their skin, religion. Like you just got to love people. And that's what life's about. Like if you're gay or straight, like I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, I can't. Can you you imagine if if your kid was gay? That's the Mormon question. What would you do if your kid was gay? Yeah. Baptist Uh, was the same way. He's my kid. But but back then, back then I was like, Oh man, I, that would be so crazy. I don't know how I would handle that. You know, now it's like, it's not even a thought in my brain. It's like if my kid it's, was gay, it's like it's okay, I've been gay. That that's yeah. even a question that that's gets it. asked. Yeah, but, but we were talking about that. We were just yeah, talking like about yesterday it, yeah. before because it's mind blowing. But to your point, of what you were just saying, why is that sin like granted to be like that? You disown your why kid. Why is it? Yes. A but sin? everybody yeah. sins. At least that's I don't know what Mormonism, but in Baptist, like everybody yeah. sinners. Everybody sins. Everyone's living in sin. You can't not be a sinner. But so, your sin's worse than mine. But yeah, yeah, that yeah. sin. Yeah. But that sin. Like well, especially being a parent now. Like that's mind-blowing. You can disown your kid for like. There's literally nothing my kid could do. Like having a parent now, nothing they could do to make me disown them. 
disappointed 100 things yeah, they could sure. do like sure absolutely disown them what you yeah, put something crazy. like that's mind-blowing well, to me and, and it's not even the disowning now that i see a problem with it's how poorly people get treated yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's like so ridiculous yeah. it's really really sad how poorly yeah and and in the mormon culture and, and not even mormon just really upset obsessed or i don't know christians you know it's premarital sex or not getting married to the same religion or people yeah. get put so, so much pressure put on them or disapproval from their family or parents yeah. in mormonism if you don't go on a mission when you're 19 or 18 or 19 you're classified like you're at Brigham Young University you're 20 years old and you're not in a mission oh you're you're uh, what's what's wrong with you there's yeah. something wrong you're you're not living how you should be or you're not married in the temple or you don't wear your garments or you drink like I got to be very, very careful in Utah with clientele and, and just friends in general. Like I don't have a lot of friends I can be myself around. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that don't know that I drink. Yep. I I have no clue, no clue. And they're pretty disappointed when they find out. Right. Which sucks. Like you, like, uh, going back to the whole hypocritical thing and just like, it just shouldn't be like that. That we all have in common. We talked about your cigar posts. I mean, just the other day. Like Like, that was the first one. That was the first time I ever like put anything on social about, yeah. The fact that well, I had decided to do, and it was like five, six years after I had left yeah. everything. And he still had people on there that <laughs> commented to like send my degree back to the college that I graduated <laughs> from. Cause like, yeah. cause you, that's technically something you agree to, right? Yeah. Like you have to you, stand up at graduation if you agree to Well, the well that's for like the doctrinal <laughs> statement, which is already a crazy thing. Like yeah. usually you go to college to figure things Learn. out, right? like gain new perspective and stuff, you know, like yeah. at the end of when, when we were graduating, like during the graduation ceremony, they read the doctrinal statement, like from mm-hmm. the pulpit. And they say, if you agree with this stand, and yeah. if you don't stand, you don't, you get, a don't get a diploma. It's like, you went to four years, did all of the required, you know, uh, credits yep. paid for everything. And they would not give you a diploma if you didn't Agree this to believe every single thing. Will be taken <laughs> not well, BYU is the same. If you're in not in good standing with the church, you, you can't graduate. Yeah. If they find out you did something, you got to go work through it with your bishop. Is it pretty strict? BYU? Very strict. Yeah. No like, premarital well, sex. Well, I no mean, drinking. I, I mean, in, I mean, in relation to like the college we went to, it was obviously like really small and super no. controlled and it was yeah. only ministerial degrees exclusively yeah. and it was extremely strict. Yeah. So I'm curious, BYU especially because like you said, because they accept people that aren't Mormons, right? You still have to live by you go the, in, not a Mormon. You leave them. <laughs> and Brigham Young University. Pretty much. That's their goal. If, if you yeah. come in, not a Mormon. Yeah. No, you still have to live by what's called the honor code. Okay. So they find out you're breaking the honor code. Like, so is, is there, what, what, no are some, what are some of the rules? What are some of the standards? I mean, you can't even go in. So, okay. If you live in, in university housing and everyone has to, if you're single, mm. you can, you have to leave the front room of someone's apartment by like 10 PM. You cannot go in the back in the bedroom at all with the opposite sex. So you can get reported for doing that. And all of a sudden you're in trouble. I mean, let alone premarital sex, let alone drinking. Could you touch? Opposite sex or hug? You can or touch. Kiss. Yeah, you can touch, hug, okay. kiss. Um, I mean, you used to not be able to wear, girls couldn't wear pants. You yeah. used to be able to not wear shorts on so campus. So BYU so Provo is a little bit more relaxed. I think that's still the case in, in Rexburg, Idaho. Um, but I mean, there's, there's really good athletes that get caught. You know, someone reports them for having sex with a girlfriend and they got to sit out a really important game. Mm. Wow. 
And it's happened a ton. Yeah. Or they get kicked off the team. And clearly or, it's effective at preventing it. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's, and you know what's interesting is um, so many Mormons get married early. And this is a statistic that I'll probably get some, a ton of hate for. But I took a religion class at BYU about marriage and family. And I was really interested. I, my parents had a shitty divorce. And, and they were both kind of really shitty individuals through the divorce. And they used the kids against each other. And it, it was terrible. Yeah. And they had and a shitty marriage. you were 10, 11 at the time? I was 10, 11, yeah. And so I was really interested in this in college. And I wanted to know how to be a good dad, how to be a good husband. I had just gotten married. And what was interesting is the highest rate of divorce, first marriages, is Mormon temple marriages. Second is like Baptist. Third is Mormon non-temple oh, hey. marriages. Is it really? Shout the out lo- to all the Baptist the lowest, marriages out there. <laughs> the lowest is yeah, atheist and agnostic. Wow. Interesting. And my theory is, you know, what's important in life is loving and accepting someone for who they are. Yeah. Not a club they're in or a church they are a part of. And so if you're only focused on being together with someone that matches your beliefs, but maybe isn't the best human being or the best Mm -hmm. match for you. Yeah. Right. I mean, sex is hugely important in a marriage. Yeah. And there's so many Mormons that get married and a, they don't know how to do it. They are not in touch with their sexual side. They've been soaking and they've also been taught that it's evil. They've been soaking. Yeah. Holy shit. I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't believe it for a long time. We, we talked we about talked that to Calvin. It's a thing. Uh, with Calvin. Yeah. It's a thing. It's yeah. A thing. It's a, I was going to ask you on, on kind of that same line, uh, you were talking earlier about, you know, well, first of all, just a second ago about sexual compatibility and how important that is in marriage. But then these people get kind of not forced into marriage, you know, so we had someone on the show earlier that was talking about, he was in an, an arranged marriage and a fundamentalist well, you know, well, commune type of the thing that was like, I want to get married. And three weeks later he was married with a girl that he, he didn't really know. Um, but you sounds like still had like the ability to date, make your own, you know, decisions. I mean, I tried a lot to date. Not a lot of girls would date me. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a goofy post mission dude. Yeah. No, so, but yeah, yeah but you, you find somebody, you get married, but they, they push, like it was the same for us. It sounds like the way they, that you did it were the same way that we did it, where it was like, you, you go on your mission, you get married. That's just what you do. You, yeah. you get married as young as you possibly can yep. to prevent you from well, going out and being a wild person. And that was kind of the same for us. Yeah, you, we, I got married when I was get, 21. Mm-hmm. You were 23, 23, you said? After a mission, you know, she was 22. Uh, you were 20, 21? I don't know. Tara, Tara was like 18. Yeah, I was, it was, I think 20. I was born in 1995. I'm bad at math. And I was married in 2017. That's 22. 22. Oh, wow. 21 or 22, depending oh, on wow. how you turned 21 or 22. But Tara was 18. Yeah. 19. Yeah. Wow. She's two and... But my, yeah. my question is your thoughts now as like being actually dating in that real dating world, what are your thoughts on getting married that young in general, regardless if you grew up in religion? It's terrible. And, you know, if we take the religion aspect out of it, let's just ignore that Mormons push you to get married so fast because they want you to stay in the religion and, and get married a virgin. Yeah. Which is, which is retarded when you think about compatibility. Yeah, totally. And the human body and the human brain. Right. 
So if we just focus on the human brain and happiness and loving someone else and knowing who you are as a person, that's like, the key. Yeah. 21 year old. That's a huge, your brain thing. isn't done developing. Right. And so Mine's religious people done. are going to hate what I'm going to say, but, but you need, if you're a good parent, you're going to teach your kid how to learn who they are and to grow as an individual and learn to love other people and to explore themselves and the world. Yeah. And, you know, my son, I think, is a really, really caring, service-oriented kid, but very shy. I'm going to push him really hard to learn who he is, not just, you know, creatively and, and academically, but sexually and everything. Because I was shamed for having high sex drive. Mm-hmm. And then I got married, and it sucked. It was terrible. My daughter as well. She's very, very, has a ton of wants to be very, very social. And anyway, she's very different. So I'm going to push her to, to grow through for herself as well. The problem with, with, uh, religion and Mormonism and pushing to get married so fast is they say, you gotta, you gotta go through this channel and this is what you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And it creates a huge conflict because I was over here. My ex was over here and we're trying to live in this, this tunnel vision of this is how we're supposed to be. She hated sex. Yeah. She had zero desire. And in fact, she felt guilty about having sex still didn't. And, and I'm this guy with high, high sex drive, highly sexual person. And I was made to feel dirty and like it was just a burden for her. Right. And so we are on polar opposites. We should have never gotten married. Right. And you were told she was going to be the thing that, you know, yeah. Right. Care yeah. That. then yeah. it's okay. Yeah. yeah. I was like, holy shit. I just got married and I thought this was going to be amazing. And yeah. she fucking hates it. Yeah. Right. Well, and, it, life, and now it's yeah. been 12 years and she still can't figure out how to get in touch with her sexual side. Yeah. Well, actually when we separated, she goes, I'm never going to date again. I have no sex drive. I don't want any man to touch me ever again. And this, I don't want that. Yeah. yeah. And when I separated from her, I was like, holy shit, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> I'm a decent looking guy yeah. and I'm successful Got and a, a really good guy. Yeah. Yeah. This is, and it's been really fun yeah. um, to explore that and right. realize that. That it's okay. It's well. not even. Well, and if you think about it's it. It's not a mission. Now that I'm divorced, <laughs> we should have never been married. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. we kind of had some, the same tunnel vision, well, that, and so we got married. That's the big thing, though, is that like you don't if you've never had sex before, you don't really have a great gauge on what that's going to be. No for idea, you. you know, like it, it. If you've never lived with someone, right? Yeah, exactly. Shit. How are you not? It, it blows my mind that that's such taboo. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like you, you don't you don't know who you are at that no. age. How are you supposed to know what you want? You're not a resolve. You, know, you don't have any self awareness. Yeah. You know, like you yeah. don't have any real skills most of the time. Like you, you know, what's your interesting brain isn't fully developed. My like, ex had never had a job. So she got married, a virgin who had never had a job, who had never had to balance a checkbook. I mean, talk about like failures as a parent. Right. And as a church or community. Right. I mean, I didn't know how to balance a checkbook. She didn't know how to, she literally had zero. And then she was thrown into this role of wife and yeah. then mother. Yeah. She was set up to fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't yeah. really feel bad for her because I still have a lot of anger and hate yeah. towards her, but yeah. you kind of have to yeah. because but many things can be true. Though. She was yeah. pushed into this tunnel vision. Yeah. You got to do this. She wasn't a ready for all that. She wasn't yeah. prepared for all that. And that just wasn't her either. Well, and that's exactly what I was going to say from like the girl's perspective, too, something that we've had to work through a lot because it is something like in religion and being pushed into it so young too. like we are literally, and it's something that I've even more recently understood too, is like, 
as a woman, like you're pushed into, you're never allowed to be sexual. First of all, yeah. it's not even for you. So for us, like we were not allowed to touch, like we had a six inch rule through college. We were allowed to go on we one were engaged. Yeah. We we, and, yeah. Engage. Uh, we, we, we could go on one unchaperoned date, still no touching one unchaperoned date when we were engaged. So like you go through growing up that way of that, like yeah. you're never allowed to be sexual. You're never allowed to dance ever. Never allowed to show your body ever. You're covering yourself up constantly, constantly, constantly. Then you get married and it's like, okay, but now flip the switch now, like be yeah. that. And you're still taught still, still too, that you're doing sex for your husband. So you grow up being conditioned for the first 20 years of your life that like, this is your duty to your husband. How do you think you're going to enjoy sex at that point when like, you're yeah. literally it's like a test you are. Yeah. Like now, like, but this is your duty, like do it. But like, that how and the and be sexual don't be sexual the first 20 years but now do it and do it as a duty to your husband and also enjoy it though because they're going to know if you don't enjoy it so like exactly. get on all three well, of those that's like that's why you're sex mentally, sucks yeah for most people because like and it took us woman, the first several years of our of our marriage to figure out oh oh i can actually like enjoy yeah, this, this too is and for oh, both if of i don't want to that's yeah. why i hate the whole like never deny you know sex for your spouse like don't yeah, give a two amount of obligation either. Like sometimes like you need to be honest and like, I'm sorry, I really am super tired right now or I'm really not into it right now. Or not get mad at them when they go rub one out right after that. Okay. Which <laughs> is fair. And that is, that was the conversation yeah. we had. Oh, I'm okay with that. Promise. Like if I'm in that point, honestly promise though, like being super honest right now, we have had that conversation though of like, if I don't want to, I want to be able to be honest with you enough to be like, I'm just like in a super bad mood right now. Sorry. Go do whatever you need to. Like that's okay yeah. too. But yeah, you know? always, you're always, like, like I mean, any form of sexual pleasure yeah. growing up is like outside no, of marriage. Yeah. Bad. Like yeah. if they could have put a shot collar on you, they would have. You yeah. know, what I, I mean? absolutely. Like, Maybe that's what they call it in the Mormon <laughs> church. Imagine the guy that's into oh that God. getting shocked. I'd have burn marks all over my <laughs> neck. I just no, but it's it's again, about. it's tunnel vision. You got to conform to this, or you're a bad yeah. person. Yeah. Right. And so it was interesting when I got divorced it was a huge release for me. Cause I was like, I'm actually a really, really good person. I help others. I'm a, an amazing dad. I kick ass as a dad. Yeah. I spend time with those kids. I teach them. I love them. I've been a stay at home dad since 2017. Like I'm amazing at a lot of things. I wouldn't say I'm amazing. I put forth a huge amount of effort in a lot of things in my life to be a good person. And I was made to think that I wasn't because I didn't conform to a certain set of rules yeah. that were screwed up weird rules that cause bad results and not don't cause happiness. They did not cause happiness in our marriage. Yeah. And so my next relationship is going to be about loving the other person for who they are, not accepting poor behavior and loving myself as well. well that's the big key. That, that, yeah, we uh, just talked just about that before. Of, yeah. yeah. Wrap it up though. Is just that, that that's that was always what I told her is I think one of the biggest problems for me with with that type of uh, culture whatever religion you grew up in is how much you are not like you you being able to sit there and be like I, I've I've done some pretty amazing things like never was even allowed to be a thought in your mind well, growing up that way yeah. is like you are well, intrinsically relics. wrong and bad and a horrible person that would kill your next door neighbor for a, you know, extra dollar in your pocket or whatever. Yeah. Like you're taught how horrible of a person you are yeah. your entire life. And that the only source of goodness in you is from God. And it's just like, it's hard to have a healthy relationship with yourself. And which is why you don't have a healthy relationship with anybody else in your life. Yeah. And yep. you, and then people wonder why things aren't going well or they're miserable and, and, and they have a messed up relationship. And it's because like, well, you have a terrible relationship with you. 
Yeah. How do you expect to have a good relationship with anybody else if you don't even like yourself because yeah. you're taught to believe that you're a piece of shit that doesn't deserve anything and that's worthless, yeah. you know? And it's just like, oh my gosh, how, what am I supposed to do with that? How on do top I of that, move forward? You're not working on yourself and you're taught to judge others. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So right. Because exactly. they didn't check the You can't the box. even work on yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting. And, and, you know, there there's a lot of people I feel that, do really good things and they're made to look like bad people because they don't check those boxes yeah. and vice versa. Right. There's some people, I mean, I feel that way about my ex. She goes to church every Sunday. She's done some pretty terrible things. Right. And as far as being a mom and a wife, but you know what? She checks the boxes. Right. Yeah. Mm. So you're accepted. So you're yeah. the, you're, you're the, she's the victim of the situation. Yeah. Well, I know we could talk forever. Uh, I think on this <laughs> show, it's going to be kind of a recurring theme because it's all stuff that we care about and we're all passionate about it. So next time we do but, a three hour block. For yeah. Each of I was going to yeah, say, yeah, we need to yeah. have more time next time around. We'll bring you on the show again at some point in the future, but thank yeah. you for taking the time to drive out here, man. I know you're here yeah. with your kids and your mom came down. You guys are going to go enjoy Vegas strip a little bit, um, all together as a family, but we all love you. Appreciate you. Appreciate and, you uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for coming on the show. Spend some time with us, man. This Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the figuring it out podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review and subscribe. So you don't miss a single episode. For more information about the show, visit www.figuringitout.tv or connect with us anywhere on social media with the handle figuringitout.tv.